Hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast. Thank you for joining me. It is Festivus. Today, probably by the time you hear this, it'll be Christmas Eve, and maybe even Christmas. So I'm sure everyone's excited. I really appreciate all the the support I've been getting from the, the first podcast that I did, which was Hot Pot. And granted, it probably was a, a bit more to, uh, to, to, to tackle for the first podcast doing something uh, that I was jet lagged and was trying to do an idea that you probably need to maybe visualize a little bit more. So if you stuck through that podcast, I really appreciate it. And hopefully each time I keep doing this, it, it will only get better. That's my goal. This is, uh, if, if I didn't state the creative exercise, and I know I didn't, of why I'm doing it, uh, that, that's why I'm doing it, is a creative exercise just to put down uh, some of my experiences and hopefully extract some benefits from that for for people listening and hopefully as I, I do this a little bit more I will get uh, more followers and and gradually start getting feedback and questions and start exploring those uh, ideas uh, further it, as Hopefully people get some benefit from this, but I really do appreciate uh, this the first week I had over like 120 followers after the first podcast. So I really appreciate that. And to be honest, my goal was, I don't know, five to 10. I was talking with a friend, Rashmi. I'm sure she's listening. She helped actually create the name. So we've been friends quite a long time. She is from Sri Lanka, so hopefully do some podcasting about Sri Lanka and uh, all of its glory, uh, which was where Indiana Jones was filmed, uh, the Temple of Doom. It was in India, and I knew that when I met her. Uh, when she said she's from Sri Lanka, I said, Astuti. She goes, oh, how do you know that? It's thank you. I said, well, it's Indiana Jones, and I knew he wasn't from India or speaking Hindi, saying Namaste. It was Astuti, so it was that's a giveaway in the in the film, if you caught that that he's not in uh, anywhere near Delhi as he claims to be, but it's Sri Lankan. So that that's what you get on this podcast. Uh, if you ever go on Jeopardy, there you go. But I, I really appreciate everyone listening. I I, I think, uh, of course, I'm biased often more self-critical, but I, I think it was a fairly decent podcast uh, for a first episode, and for those reasons, trying to eat, and I know you you realized that I was eating during the podcast, trying to formulate an idea that originally was not my first idea about uh, releasing the, the, the series. It was a different idea that I thought that I would give away too much incriminating details about myself. So we'll just leave it at that. And I decided, I, I cut that one actually three times. And that's even after uh, splicing it because I thought it was going to be really uh, a good idea to explore and had some hilarious stories with it. But unfortunately, I'm like, ah, there's, yeah, probably shouldn't. Uh, do this one because it actually could have implications that I just 
don't want to, uh, don't, <laughs> I just don't want to deal with. So, unfortunately, uh, you guys will be in the dark about that one. And it, it it's not a, a, a bluff about, oh, you should have been there. One of those kind of things. Or uh, the one that got away was, you know, is this big, I swear. But it, it really was too much detail. <laughs> and if uh, you you know me, I'm sure you're not surprised. But uh, yeah, that's as <laughs> vague as I'm going to keep it or keep it that vague. So with Christmas coming up, the title of this podcast is I Won't Be Home for Christmas. A lot of people, and I'm assuming most people that are following this podcast are from the United States, so you're American, and Christmas is a is the biggest holiday historically from uh, you know Western culture to America. It it is the biggest holiday all year. People look forward to it, and as you probably noticed now. Christmas starts right around, I don't know, 4th of July, 5th of July, maybe. That's about when everything starts getting rolled out. Obviously, that's the commercial side of it. But I think that wouldn't happen if the market didn't uh, allow it to. So people really get into Christmas as soon as they can. Christmas in July, it almost starts then. Maybe not then, but when is it? It's like September 1st. I saw Christmas, some Christmas things being put out. So it starts really early. But that's because people are really looking forward to it and don't mind to get in uh, into the holiday spirit that early and build it up. So it, it really gets built up. And especially this idea of returning home for Christmas. But as international traveler and living abroad on different uh on on, on different uh, uh reasons at times I've had to miss christmas or sometimes things come up and I ended up abroad so for some people they could not imagine this like how could you not be around the family how could you not try to return home for christmas or what is it like to not be home for Christmas? And people, uh, the, the, I would say the biggest one, and the biggest reason is those who serve in the military. You don't really have a choice <laughs> to, to where you can or cannot go. So when you get uh, stationed in wherever, in, in a combat zone in Europe or Japan, you're most likely going to be there. Because also, returning home, even if you can get the time off, is not very reasonable. Sometimes you can find some vacations right before Christmas. You can find them fairly reasonable. Obviously on Christmas, right on Christmas Day, yes you can. But that return flight from the 26th, to uh, right after New Year's. That is just the busiest time for travel. 
and if you do it alone, you're going to be looking at a, a double flight ticket cost. But let's say you have a family, wife, you know, if you have kids, and forget it, you're you're not going to maybe be able to drop. Let's say you're in, let's say you're in Japan. The flight tickets coming back were like, you know, recently were twenty two hundred, twenty three hundred for. This is for United, the middle aisle seat. So the worst seat is going to cost that. That's incredibly expensive to come back for. As romantic as the idea is to come home from Christmas, where the the snow is blowing and Elvis is singing. It, for ten thousand dollars, that's a that's a major holiday. So that burden for people living abroad, I think, is uh, can be a little overly stressful. So I think if you have someone who can't make it, try to understand that it, it's a huge financial burden and the holiday's great. But who says you have to spend it on an exact day anyway? And that's what I did when I remember the first time I missed Christmas. I was in China and I was I had a job at the time that did not allow me to come back during Christmas because it was set to the Chinese academic year. So I was not able to return until sometime in January. And my parents actually kept the tree up and just had Christmas when I came back. Uh, I, they're not here to speak about it, but I would think that's as, uh, I would say special in a way than actual December 25th because that's when you choose uh, to celebrate it. And everyone, I'm quite sure, is aware December 25th is not like a hardened date for the birth of Christ or something like that. It's it's a, it's a set date because uh, all lunar calendars don't fall on, on the same day every year. But unlike Easter, right? But Christmas they, is set on December 25th. So everyone's aware that this is not an, an exact date uh, for Christmas anyway. So I, I don't think the world will implode. And it won't, I will tell you. If you have to miss one, or if you can't make it, it would be nice to come home. But financially, try to understand if someone can't. I don't know. That really wasn't the idea that I had on the paper, but as I'm exploring it out, I think uh, it, it is a big burden for, for people to try to make it home. And it would, you know, it, it'd be a, a very big impact for them to do that just for a few days when, before or after uh, tickets. Hopefully, if they're coming home, you don't make them stay in a hotel. But if you did, it, it, the hotels also go up like crazy. So I was actually looking at the, the Maldives to go roughly the week in between Christmas and through New Year's. And all resorts um, were triple their usual amount. It's an incredibly expensive place to go already. But uh, tripling the cost made made it nearly. I mean, it's it, it's insanity. If you ever want to have a laugh, 
maybe you don't, maybe you have extra 20 grand a person you can drop for a week. You will be staying on the water, on the, uh, on the stilts. Your room will be on stilts. You can jump right off the balcony and scuba dive, which is great. But any other week of the year, or it's roughly a two-week period, your price is going to be one-third of what it is during that time. So it's a huge crunch for traveling if you do want a vacation. And unfortunately, a lot of people do not have the benefit of having such a long time for vacation. So you take your vacation during uh, Christmas, New Year, so you get those. So you combine those dates with uh, your regular vacation days, and that's how you get the longest uh, possible time in the year. But so does everyone else. Therefore, the prices are insane. Also, everyone's traveling during Christmas. The flight tickets are going way up. I was just looking at going after Christmas to... Uh, I found a resort in Dominican Republic. I'll talk later about maybe traveling to resorts versus traveling, let's say, do-it-yourself trips. Just going and as the nature of this podcast is rambling, just tramping about not really knowing where you're going to stay one day to the other. Don't really know what is involved food-wise, transportation-wise, but you figure it out as you go. And if you're doing that in certain parts of the world, the people will not be speaking English. So you you really have to dig down deep and pull out a true adventurous spirit to get to where you need to go. Or maybe you don't know even where you're going. And I've done that several times as well. But that's for another time. It used to be that traveling on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, that was always my favorite because you could get extremely cheap tickets for doing that. Even though every day before or after was a bit insane with the pricing. But unfortunately this year, I noticed that uh, that that's not the case. That even New Year's, New Year's Eve, they're all, eh, you know, the same price. So unfortunately, I kind of missed that because there was several years in a row there. I I just flew every New Year's, got to see it, and that's always the best if you can be in the air at midnight, flying over a major city. Uh, what was the last one I did? Was Chicago? I was flying over Chicago. That was absolutely incredible the amount of fireworks going off that you could see. Or maybe it was gunshots. Cheap joke. But it really was incredible. And I think there's an internet video of uh, it's L.A. that someone was flying over. And it, it's quite mesmerizing that you can see how many people actually light them off. And it it's, actually seems a little bit more than 4th of July. But I don't know. I haven't really seen it from the air, so I, I can't speak for that. But New Year's is really cool when you can fly over a place and get to see the, the fireworks going off at midnight. And used to be a, a cheap way to do so. Now, uh, th this year, not really. I noticed all the ticket prices were pretty expensive all the way through the season. So sorry if you have to fly during that time because you're definitely going to be paying for it. But as I was saying, well, I was in China 
teaching and I had to spend Christmas there and actually had to do class and I was teaching a class on American culture. So it was perfect just to have Christmas parties for the class. But all of my students giving the KTV culture and singing karaoke, they all wanted to do like a Christmas concert. It was absolutely incredible. Their, uh, their takes on the classics. I wish I had some recording now that I could play for the podcast. I don't, unfortunately, maybe deep in the hard drives, but just took my word for it. They were uh, very impressive when they sang and knew the words to songs that uh, I was quite surprised by. And the reason they do is watching movies, watching movies or American television shows. They see them or, or will hear them in this case on these movies and look them up. What song is this? The big one is Wham! that they all like to sing, Last Christmas I Give You My Heart. I heard that one probably 85 times. Each one was brilliantly done, better than the original. Not that that would be too difficult, but they did it. Having my students caroling was a way to get into the holiday spirit for Christmas and everything building up to the time, but I was not going to be able to return home until some week in January. So my friends, they all wanted to have, uh, my Chinese friends that were there, they had never had an American friend to celebrate it with, always wanted to. So they went above and beyond. We actually celebrated Christmas maybe for a solid week. We had parties, uh, you know, in apartments, in, in restaurants, and they, uh, in, in Shanghai, all the shopping malls you'll see, it's a, a global city, so you have Christmas markets that you go to, all the uh, restaurants, most of the restaurants, I won't say all, because there's, I think if you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner in Shanghai in a different location, I somebody, someone did the math on that. I, I don't think you would be able to do it in like, I don't know, 80, 90 years. Could be exaggeration, but I would not be surprised. You have twenty, what, twenty-eight million people, and with as many that keep opening up, you there is no way you would actually make it to all of them because they all wouldn't be open. Other ones would be reopening. It's an impossible task. So, therefore, I won't say all every restaurant, but most of the ones in the more popular. Uh, destinations and stops that they all have Christmas because it is uh, it, it is a, a global holiday now especially in, in Asia that it's growing and most of that's due of course it is commercial and buying gifts really though has not been a, a major thing in, in, in China from my experience or what I've noticed with my friends it's more about just having a, a dinner or some party maybe the thing you are buying is like a, a cake or, or something like that but nothing like the major uh, uh, gifts or buying someone a new iphone for christmas or, or something like that I, I don't think that that has 
had a major impact. I, I know it has some, or else the malls wouldn't do it or put as much money as they do in some of these elaborate decorations that they have. I mean, they have crystal, like three-story Christmas trees that are all crystal. Uh, my favorite was a chocolate Christmas tree that you could get chocolates off of. But these are in the, the, in the financial district. Maybe if you saw Skyfall, James Bond, he, he went to the financial district where he actually shot, uh, was, uh, he killed an assassin then, or the assassin killed a guy out of a window and the, the buildings have these LED, um, displays on them. So if you remember that it's all blue and they have like the blue highway that they drive by. Yeah. So, so that's Shanghai. So there's no surprise that they have these high end elaborate Christmas things, but for the most people, they celebrate Christmas as like a dinner or something like that. And I am reminded of a friend. She invited me. She's like, okay, well, you know, you, you don't have anything to do for Christmas. Come. Me and my family, they have a, a big dinner. They rent out this restaurant. I'm like, well, that's cool. So I go there. And they were all from Taiwan. And they, they had a big Christmas dinner. And uh, she played the piano and this. So there was probably 500 people there. It was all the... It was a, a lot of Taiwanese that were living in Shanghai, so they would meet and celebrate Christmas together. And they said, oh, we have an American. Said, okay, great. Uh, they gave me the microphone and said, sing us a song for Christmas. I said, no, no, I, I'm not singing you a song. It, it's one of those things that, hmm, culturally, what do you do? Do you eat the, the weird food, right, so you don't offend? Well... They're from Taiwan. I wasn't in Taiwan. I was in Shanghai. So, yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> indulge them. I don't think I ever would, though. Sorry if you get offended on that, but you'd be more offended if I did try to sing. So definitely, I did not. But they they could believe it. Like you, you can't sing. It's just like a, a, a simple song, big and easy one, like uh, Jingle Bells. Like, mm -mm. no, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> I, I'm sure some of you can relate to that. Uh, it, it's really a, a talent if you can sing. But I, I can't even come close. It's it's wretched. <laughs> but sh that's that's just kind of the fun. When you are in this kind of international community, you d do not know what kind of groups that you have the opportunity to meet that you normally wouldn't. Usually, for Christmas, if you're in the States, you're going to be like, all right, I'm going to visit my family. The same old family. I'm saying that sarcastically. But it, it, your plans are kind of set, right? But if you're living abroad or in a culture that traditionally doesn't celebrate Christmas, your experiences are kind of unlimited because there are people in pockets that do or are very willing to celebrate with you but it's going to be slightly different than you are used to and you know that's okay and that's the whole point of learning it becomes a learning experience and I was in Japan uh, some years later <clears throat> during Christmas and I was going to go skiing in uh 
outside of Nagano, where they had the Olympics several years ago. But I was taking the, the train to Nagano, had to take another little old train, and then drive up into the mountains. It was really beautiful. A lot of snow had just fallen, probably three feet of snow had, had fallen there. So I had gotten there before the snow. It blanketed everything, so no one else was coming up for a day or two. So I had the whole, I, I actually was staying at an onsen there. So this hot spring that Japan has these magnificent hot springs all over Japan, and they're called onsens. And you, uh, they're fed from uh, the volcano, so you have all kinds of minerals that have numerous benefits for skin and everything. So when you get in them, you, your skin really does just start feeling really soft and uh, the temperature is super hot. So it's really relaxing, especially when the snow is falling. You can have different kind of onsens. You can have a private one or it's split male and female. So you're either in with all guys or if you're a girl in with all girls. Or some of them are actually mixed in public and it's it's bathing. So it's you know full nudity. Uh, in the onsen together so that's if you are not used to that that might be a, a bit of a, a shock would you do that would you be able to bathe male and female together all naked in a volcanic 130 degree cauldron of limestone water I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's limestone. If it, it felt like limestone, the last one I was in, but it, being from the volcano, I I doubt it. It was really soapy and silky like that. The water was. It felt like almost like a soap was on on your body, and that's from the the minerals in the water. And actually, a side note to that is, if you have any tattoo in Japan, they will not let you in on. So, so if you have you want to do this, but you have any visible tattoo, they're not going to let you in. And this happens even now, as it's turning 2020. A lot of international uh, tourists complain about that, because some areas, they market heavily to tourists as well, and they don't mention that. So if you're hearing me talk about it, you're like, wow, cool, I really want to go do this. It sounds awesome. I want to go to Japan, do all this, stay at these traditional places, and you have like an ankle tattoo or whatever. Yeah, they're not going to let you in. They're going to tell you. I don't know if they allow you to cover it up. I would say if you're going to try to do that, you just cover it up before you go in. But I don't really know because uh, I haven't really heard of anyone with the tattoo pulling it off. So I don't know if you cover it up, if they're like, well, you have, what do you have, some kind of cut or wound, you can't go in anyway. So I, I don't know how you would get around that. Well, how you get around it is to have a completely private onsen. And you can find that, but you're going to pay, uh, you're, you're gonna have to get like a really small hotel. Actually, it wouldn't be a hotel, it'd be more like a and a, a b and they would have to have one, and you would have to use it yourself. But if Japanese are going in it, you cannot have a tattoo. And that's from the uh, like Yakuza issues that they've had with that. I actually saw a really cool picture of 
just Yakuza only using an onsen from like the 1950s. That was pretty cool. And I'm not so sure if they uh, will overturn that anytime soon. But just something you should know because a lot of people have been disappointed that they went to these really awesome places where you can see like Mount Fuji and you can get the onsen and want to take like this really awesome picture. You've traveled all the way around the world to Japan and only to be told, you you know, you, you can't because of your body markings. But I, I was traveling up in the mountain there, was going skiing at um, what I thought was a very chill atmosphere for skiing <clears throat> because I'm a horrible skier. And it's not that I'm a horrible skier. I just don't fall very well. When I fall, I'm very rigid. I break things. So I, I hate falling. As long as I'm standing, then, then I'm good. But falling, no. So I went to this onsen and was staying there. The, the staff, no one spoke English. It was maybe a couple of words. I don't speak any Japanese. So I told them at the desk, yeah, I want to go to the, the mountain to ski, but I'm a terrible skier. Me, very bad ski. He said, okay, ski, good ski. I'm like, no, I'm bad ski. No, very good ski. I'm like, mm, I don't think he's understanding that. I said, I want the picture. He's a like, good picture. I'm like, I just, okay, take me to the, okay, yeah, we'll go ski. Well, he was meaning like, yeah, it's good skiing. If you're James Bond. So, when I went there, I got my skis, fell down on the bunny slope, which didn't have any bunnies on it, so I was wondering, hmm, I guess there's no one, you know, made it up the mountain because all the snow. I've been alone at the onsen myself. It's been perfect. Uh, let me get on the ski lift. So I get on the ski lift, and it goes all the way up to the moon. I don't know. I think we passed Mount Everest on the way up. Maybe not, but it felt like it. Well, I get off the ski lift, and I'm going to go down the mountain. Well, this is a bit of an issue going back to traveling in Japan. That <laughs> a lot of the signage, and it's definitely intentional to keep Japanese culture Japanese. That a lot of places, even though it's it is a World Heritage Site on this mountain, and the ski resort did not have any uh, symbols, color codes, or much less uh, international language like English, telling you which trails were the easy ones or which one were the black diamond deaths. So most places you go skiing, you have a diamond system that is very easy to tell what's amateur or what's, like I said, James Bond. Well, I ended up taking the what would be equivalent to triple diamond death <laughs> death drop. And I I don't think I was at really any risk there because I didn't attempt uh, doing this. I just kind of fell down the mountain. Uh, <laughs> and it, it took about all day to fall down the mountain. That's how long it takes. It's one day, if you were wondering. But I passed the sign, and it was just Japanese. It's just like a, a, a standard sign 
with letter, you know, I can't remember the color of the lettering, but it wasn't like red or something alarming, but it was like Japanese characters with an arrow to the right, Japanese characters with an arrow to the left. Mm. I picked the wrong one. So and that, that, that's something you, you will experience when you go to Japan. Traveling by rail is beautiful. It's awesome. But also a lot of places you, you will go to the stops. It's, it's all in Japanese. So you need to have a little bit of a buffer when you do travel there and, and internationally. And sometimes you won't give yourself that because you get like, okay, I can go here to here. And it takes about, you know, just an hour and a half to get there. Well, actually, I just got back from Japan, as you noticed in the first podcast. And I did notice that the staff and the a lot of the like conductors and uh, you know like ticket attendants and things like this they were a lot more fluent in in English or willing to help than I have noticed years ago like 10 years ago or something when you get out into different parts of Japan I don't could be coincidence could be that they you know it, it is an issue when you're traveling that everything all the signages in major let's say terminals or uh, metro stops bus stations all Japanese so you do not have a chance to to try to figure anything out it, it, it will take some time if you do so anyway zipping by it on skis yeah I didn't catch any of that, so I ended up falling all the way to the bottom and had to actually get, I won't say I had to, but I took him up on it, one of the ski guides come by, because everyone that was passing me on that ski slope was wearing spandex and a number, it was like an Olympic training village or something, so that guy sent me to, <laughs> yeah, really good ski, yeah, not for me. So I did get some good pictures, but he, the, the guide come by and was like, wait, what are you doing on these, these slopes? You look like you suck. I'm like, yeah, I do. So uh, you have a snowmobile? Yeah, so he did. And I just rode the snowmobile down to the bottom. So after falling and for an entire day down the mountain, I was kind of hungry. And it was Christmas Day. So back to the nature of the podcast is Christmas. So... It's Christmas Day. I've spent my time falling down a mountain. It's beautiful. Took some pictures on the way down. In this village, there's really not many restaurants. Just very, very few. And the hotel didn't serve food. Not a hotel. It was more of a like a like a B and B. Traditional Japanese. You stay in the mat, wear kimonos. The the whole whole immersive experience but I, I found this uh, ramen noodle shop that was open on Christmas and went by no one's there had the meal ate, ate the, the ramen noodles and it was a family husband wife the granddaughter was there and as I finished my meal the the owner she come out with a cake it was a cake and had Santa Claus on it it was like Merry Christmas and give me the Christmas cake. So that was pretty cool. I I wasn't expecting that. That was so sweet of her to do. Because, like I said, being away from home for Christmas, sometimes it's it's great to have uh, 
some experience that is also memorable. And that was, it was just a cake. So it's kind of the nature of Christmas, right? Is the, unlike how things have kind of become with it's all gift related or maybe as kids see it, they just want toys, toys, toys. But as you get older, chocolate cake, you know, that is definitely enough. But it was so sweet that she did that. And her, she actually, her granddaughter wanted to come out and she had like some other candy to give me. And she had like a, a I was surprised she had on this Christmas dress and had like the, kind of like a Santa, not a Santa, like a Miss Claus little dress. It was so cute. That was an unexpected treat and a wonderful Christmas gift. But I think the best one that I have traveling was actually in Jamaica. In Jamaica for Christmas. Yeah, like a reggae Santa. That's pretty cool. It was two Christmases ago. Yeah. I was in Jamaica there. And for the the morning, you're in Jamaica. You have to go scuba diving on Christmas. So I went out, did a... It was a really cool dive. It was quite deep, actually, too. Maybe 100... 10 feet so so pretty pretty deep dive and we actually wore it was it actually worked better than i thought because the the guy's like you have to wear these hats so we all had santa claus hats under the water and i, I thought there's no way these are all going to stay on but they did and have some pretty cool pictures of doing that so those made some, for some good i think the, the next year christmas cards were diving underwater with the Santa Claus hats on, so that was pretty cool. But that, that wasn't the memorable part. I actually got to meet uh, a, a very nice gentleman there that we, we went out on the, the boat. It was, it was me, uh, a couple, and him. And when we went, you know, we were going out there, he said, well, for Christmas, I just want to tell you, I had lost my daughter and that, Every year he goes there for Christmas and likes to, he actually keeps this part of the reef that he always cleans up, manicures and keeps it in good health and condition. And he spread her ashes there some years ago. So that was quite a little bit, you know, it caught me off guard and like, oh, this is quite sad that he has to spend the Christmas like this. It caught me off guard because you're going out for Christmas in, in Jamaica and you're thinking more about that part of the trip is something more superficial. We're going out to Christmas scuba diving. That'll be a cool picture. Well, he said this year, unfortunately, his son had died and he was taking the ashes to spread underwater with her. So that that dive became <laughs> pretty heavy pretty quick for the, the team and that wasn't his intention for that but he said I just want to share that with you so that we can have Christmas together and so I'll be spending it with my family and that's where different communities for different things different sports and hobbies come in that maybe you don't realize are there but for this one, I think it comes together quite nicely that the diving community, you're not only looking out for each other when you're underwater, make sure no one's in danger, and just look out for each other. And 
in this case, it definitely was not just this small group of people that are going to, you know, make a cool little postcard picture or like an Instagram post about this. It actually was a, a moment where the family comes together for Christmas. Wrapping up this podcast, I think that's a great story to end on. That maybe you can't be home for Christmas, or, or you, you won't be this year, or maybe you just might be later, or maybe you can't come back, or who knows where home is. And if someone you love can't be during this time, that doesn't mean that great experience experiences and memories can't be had so go out there don't be afraid of missing people don't take this wrong like the, the hallmark moments maybe what I was talking about was kind of hallmark or cliche moments but I think they happened quite organically it's not trying to force everything into uh, like a cookie cutter like it has to be this way every single year or it's 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 just not or it's opportunity missed it's nothing to be gained and i think that would be a wrong way of looking at uh, life and traveling is if you're always looking that everything has to be the same every single year or every single day if you're if i think we're that rigid especially me i can't be i have to be on the road have to be going and traveling and when you have times that you do spend together and it is on Christmas then fantastic you know go all out but from time to time when it doesn't happen then that shouldn't diminish uh, who you have around you and also what you experience at other times during the year so I really appreciate everyone for listening for whatever that's worth. I hope you learned something today or enjoyed listening. And like I said earlier that in the podcast and this series that I hope to explore ideas more and more, I do have already recorded. I just have to edit them and put together for uh, different things in Japan coming up will be on trains. I'm doing one on trains and traveling by rail, which is a really cool experience if you've never got to do that. So it'll be a great episode. Uh, maybe a, a little different than this. This one's a little more, uh, a little more low key and and toned down because I wanted to get one out for Christmas, and I think it was a a, a proper time to to do it. That because uh, sometimes it popped in my mind like, hey, you know. Uh, missing Christmas for some people might be unthinkable. So what what is it like to miss Christmas? What to expect? I, I hope that clarified it for you. And if you have not subscribed on, I don't know how you're listening to this podcast, but if you don't mind, please subscribe on iTunes. That's probably the best way to get it. As soon as I upload it, you'll automatically receive uh, each, each new episode. And also it's on Google Play and Spotify if you subscribe there. Also use CastBox, and it it's actually linked to that as well, if you'd like to use that app. But whatever you do, please get the word out. More listeners, the better. But I really appreciate it. Merry Christmas, everyone. 
and see you in 2020.